Mike, what are we talking about on today's episode of Moving the Goalposts? Today, we hit on the Red Sox disappointing opening weekend against the Orioles, and you, yes, you, battled with Steve Cohen and Mets Twitter. Yeah, that wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I forgot I forgot to tell you, by the way, I got a DM from somebody that uh, I think was supposed to be an insult again, but just you'll know what we're talking about. And uh, we also take a look at the uh, the landscape of the other Boston sports teams as they head towards the postseason. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, and tell a friend. Moving the goalposts wherever you listen. It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and <laughs> recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving the Goalposts, New England's number one sports podcast. I'm your host, Nick Mara, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Masala. Mike, how are you now? Doing well, brother. Yourself? Not so bad. You can check out our social media profiles on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at NickMara94. Mike, where can the listeners reach you? Find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. Be sure to follow along on the Moving the Goalpost social media. That can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Moving the Posts. We got some action on the social media last week, actually. Yeah, it's it's yeah. nice to see we finally uh, crossed a few borders, got some loyal fans and followers. I'm I'm excited. That may have unintentionally been my fault. <laughs> oh um, no, I. One night last, I don't even remember what night it was, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. I want to say Wednesday. I found myself for the first time uh, on the Internet uh, at the end of not an attack, but I made I made a mistake. Oh, no. I tweeted out a joke. You can actually I'm surprised you didn't see it. I think I, I think I might have. I think I remember seeing it, but I don't remember what it was. It was harmless. It was simply the fact that so last week the Mets decided to sign Francisco Lindor to like a 10 year contract, $340 million, like ridiculous amount. Mm -hmm. And I, like many, was subjected to the great purge. That was the Robin Hood scandal of the stock market at the beginning of 2021. Right. Wherein, and we won't name names, mm. not because I'm not willing to, it's because I, <laughs> I genuinely don't know the people's names. Right. But some companies did some shady shit and they decided to take some stocks, not completely off the market, but you couldn't buy them. And one of those stocks happened to be AMC, which was a stock that I decided to invest in. Uh, and was planning on doing very well. Now, I did purchase it probably at the current 52-week high. Uh, I had literally purchased it, I'm pretty sure, the day prior to when it got shut down. Yes. <laughs> and I was the first of many to lose lots of money on the stock market. Now, how does this all tie in? Well, because one of these people... Uh, is the current Mets owner, Steve Cohen. Now, he wasn't directly involved, but indirectly he's involved. And if you're going to point the finger, you got to find a target and just point at them. So, right. so you got to find point... the biggest guy in jail and point at him and take him down. Exactly. Now, this isn't totally like one of those situations. But <laughs> again, if you're going to point the finger, you got to figure it out quickly who you're going to point it at and keep pointing it. So I decided I'm going to pick on Steve Cohen. Steve Cohen, uh, very good owner so far, I would say. I'm jealous of him, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, was bullied off of Twitter for some time. Came back on Twitter. And I think I made the grave mistake of trying to start that rivalry again. Because when... Let me see what the, the tweet actually said. But I don't think I'm in the wrong. Can't get in, into it with Mets fans. They're delusional. It's not even that they were like, it was Mets fans, though. It's just, I don't know. First of all, it was a joke that I made. Oh, that's someone's response. That's Are you telling me response. that people on the internet did not understand a joke? That they, well, I actually think that it wasn't a very well-written joke. All right, here we go. 
So we got this was four days ago. We got KFC Barstool tweets out Uncle Stevie and Frankie Lindor for the next decade. Life is good. I respond with it. Your scumbag owner cost me and thousands of others trillions of dollars on the stock market. First of all, I'm not an accountant. That's for certain. I'm, I'm not a huge, huge math guy. I know that trillions of dollars were not lost on the stock market. That's kind of the joke. That's mm-hmm. kind of what the joke was supposed to be, at right. least. Uh, maybe made the mistake of saying thousands of others. If I had said billions of others lost trillions of dollars, I think it probably would have made sense. You weren't you weren't hyperbolic enough. Maybe I, that's what it was. Exactly. I was think I was I outthought myself. Mm-hmm. I thought too much about it by not thinking enough about it. Wow. I either overthought it or underthought it. <laughs> So he uh, responds with a quote tweet, which is the ultimate baller move. That's how you get out of everything. That's how I got out of some of these, actually. Sucks to be you, broke boy, which broke my phone for about 15 minutes. I it was rendered useless. I got so many. This is what we got. Ready? Damn, that sucks. LMAO. Cry, poor boy. Nobody cares, Nick Mara. Trillions. You mean $10, right? LMAO. Learn to code. Uh, we got some gifts here. Paper hands. Stay mad. I'm sure you would be a trillionaire if it weren't for Steve Cohen. Wow. Sucks to suck. Douche. Sucks to be dumb. Go back to penny stocks. We don't. Uh, that's another gif. Sounds like a you problem. Obviously, it's a me problem, except right. he didn't. Who loses money in one of the greatest bull runs of all time? If you're t- This was a fairly popular one. If you're talking about a $30 billion company dropping in value to $15 billion and calling it trillions, you probably shouldn't be in the stock market. LOL. Who the hell is losing money in this market? Ha, 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 ha. Imagine being so incredibly delusional that you think GME was going to squeeze enough to make trillions. And it goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. Looks like I got some room to improve on Twitter. And we got a, if this is what's going to get us eyeballs and and downloads and and loyal listenership, I think this is something we got to keep doing. (laughs) Riding the wave and keep going at Uncle Stevie. Maybe. Yeah. Like I said, if you're going to point the finger at somebody, don't, don't let them turn the finger around on you. I gotta, I gotta come up with a random owner. Like, uh, I'm gonna go at uh, Shad Khan, owner of the Jaguars. Oh, I don't I know like why, but, <laughs> but I'm gonna go at him for some reason. No, what's a good one in the NFL? I mean, I feel like Daniel Snyder doesn't interact with fans enough. Jim Ursay probably doesn't interact with fans enough. Although he is on Twitter quite oh. frequently. Very much so. <laughs> oh. That's that would be a good segment. Who, if we had to do like our Mount Rushmore's of uh, a Mount Rushmore of all time great slash worst owners in in each of the four major sports, we had to take one guy. Jim Irsay may take the cake, like just a disaster of an owner. Yeah, it would be up there. I mean, it would be a heavyweight bout between him and Dan Snyder. All time, all time worst owners probably. I think you would have to put uh what's his name? The guy who owned not the like the year before he sold to the Patriots, but the owner before that. Was it oh drawing a or, blank on the name? Was it Orthwine? Is that Orthwine. Him? Yeah, but he sold to the crafts. How long did he own the team for? Was it I don't I think for like a for like a hot second to make the that's, sale? That's I think that's who it was then. Yeah. Orthwine. Orthwine was was an awful owner. Terrible owner. So so bad. I don't even really remember his tenure. <laughs> I mean, we were like, I don't know, we weren't even born yet. So <laughs> no, we weren't. Make, make, make sense. Right. All right. Well, the one thing that we did get over this weekend that Mets fans didn't get was was baseball, if you can call it baseball. Oh. Mike, I'm going to tell you, I'm happy that baseball is back. I actually, so I switched cell phone carriers. I'm on T Mobile now. And when you're a member of team, this is not an ad, but if anybody's listening, here's a good spot to pull a sponsor for you. Uh, when you switch to T-Mobile, they'll give you an entire year of MLB at bat premium for free. So that's nice. That's very nice. So 
I'm not even kidding. Literally every single day for me has been the NCAA tournament of baseball because you've got games on at like one o'clock, two o'clock, four o'clock, seven o'clock, 10 o'clock. It's awesome. It's not great watching the Red Sox. though. <laughs> the Red Sox they, have been awful. The least fun team out of all of them you could watch. It, it would be like watching a 16 seed every day. If, every single day. Uh, any bright spots? Have you seen any bright spots from them? So I'll say that in the first three games of the season, I honestly can think I honestly think I might have watched more already this year than I watched last year. Just because I mean we got started late and the team the team was out of it pretty quickly, kind of like this team seems to be going right now. Um, but I, I've I've actually watched the three games. Uh, as far as like bright spots, it's re- it's really been few and far between. Like JD Martinez has looked okay. Uh, Rafael Devers got benched yesterday because he's can't hit and also can't field apparently now. Oh, he's uh, so, never been able to field. His, his right. defense is atrocious. Right, but at least you were getting one or the other. And sometimes you would get those crazy Rafi plays where you would be like, "Oh, I could, I, I had no idea he was going to make that diving stop." Um, but it was just, it was, it was terrible. And the Orioles are, they're a bad team. Like they're obviously one of the worst teams in baseball and they have been for a few years to go out there and lose the first game. I wasn't shocked because I do like John means who was the starter for opening day for them. He's been an all-star in the past. He, he's a, he's a decent pitcher. Um, But the other two games and then yesterday with Garrett Richards specifically, and being down ten nothing by the time the third started, like you just you people who are excited for baseball, and there's not many of them that are our age. Like I'll lose interest in this team real quick. This is why I was looking the other day, and I think I tweeted this out. MLB the show comes out in like three weeks, which is after the season started. Yeah. By the time the show comes out, I'm not gonna want to watch baseball anymore because <laughs> because right. I'll, I'll be so out on my team, and it's such a it's such a uh, different market sport. Like nobody's not, not many people are following the whole league where the Red Sox are going to ruin baseball for me again, another year, another year where I'm probably not going to watch that much. Well, do I, Mike, I think we're going to run into the problem where, and we've already started to see it. The nerds that are like ruining baseball, uh, the other end of the spectrum, you're not getting anybody else that's watching. Like the the ones that are committed to this game want it to be played in such a boring way that look, I, I as soon as that Connor McGregor meme came out of him getting knocked out in that fight this past year, I knew come baseball season that puppy was gonna be flying on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be on top of that trend because it puts you to sleep. It absolutely puts you to sleep. Opening day, I think I made it through an hour and a half before falling asleep. Uh didn't even really watch the second game yesterday was more yesterday was one of those days that reminded me of my childhood when I would used to have to clean my room and I would procrastinate. So I would have the Red Sox on my TV while it was going on. And when my parents would say, how come your room's not clean yet? Well, the game was on like, look at me now. <laughs> it's the third inning and Derek Lowe has six strikeouts. But to get back to like the idea of bright spots on a team like this, there should be more excitement this year than last and i think a lot of it has to do with fans being allowed back in fenway park but like (laughs) you talk about three weeks from now not being invested in the baseball season i'm prepared totally prepared because we know we're not really going to get much of a postseason run out of the bruins the celtics and the patriots i mean who knows what they're going to be in the fall i am totally prepared to hate watch the red Sox all summer long i am ready to do it that's such a commitment too with this sport because you know how boring these games can be. <laughs> but you don't actually have to watch the games. You just need to follow along. And then that's fair. as soon as something negative happens, you chime in on Twitter and you let them know everything <laughs> that's gone. Well, look, I mean, I, so I, I also, for anybody that questions if like they're listening to us or not, they're listening because I sent a tweet to the Reds. I didn't send it to the Red Sox. Maybe I did. I forget. I said, uh, I'm, to, I can't even afford to go to a Red Sox. I'm one of the young people who likes baseball, can't afford to go to the Red Sox this year. I was on StubHub the other day. I got tickets for like 30 bucks. <laughs> like bleacher seats, like directly in center field, 30 bucks. And no one's going to be sitting around me. It's just going to be, yeah. You know, it's an afternoon at the park. 
Yeah, exactly. But uh, I think we can look forward to a bounce back year from J.D. Martinez. Like so far, he's done done pretty well. I think he's like five for 10 to start the year. Um, I was impressed with uh, what's his name? Garrett Whitlock's performance yesterday. He, mm-hmm. he was I think he's now the was it the first Red Sox pitcher in history or first player in his major league debut to allow no runs, no walks and strike out five or more batters. I think that was Red Sox history. Yeah, I saw some yeah, I weird, think it was some weird stat, which that's that's all baseball is, is like weird stats that n- nobody cares about. He's the first player on an April afternoon when it was under 75 degrees with wind blowing from left to right to yeah. ever strike out one or more batter. Yeah, what, what are his home road splits during day night double headers against left handed relief pitchers with an ERA between? 3.5 and 4.7 it's tim kirchin knows the answer to that that's the crazy part yeah. <laughs> <sighs> ah, baseball but it's been a but, lot of fun we, we 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 got uh nice little brouhaha kind of between the uh the reds and the cardinals did you see that i did i like I'm 100% on Castellanos' side there. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. Like I, I, I don't like I don't know if just the Cardinals are just the biggest babies in the history of sports, and they might be because I think their fanship is kind of like that. Um, but yeah, like the fl- the flex over him was it, it was one of the coolest moves you'll you'll see. Be, even even if there's no Total real fallout man. from it, it, yeah, it was it was a full on. I'm the man here. Flex yell. You score a run like that. That was a great moment. Yeah, and I think uh, the what even better is the next day he hits another home run. Like, <laughs> so, if, for anybody that doesn't know what happened, I think the, this is exactly what happened. He hits a home run. I don't know if he pimped it or anything, but all right. So they get come back and they're gonna try and brush him off the plate. They pitch inside. They hit him, and he's a little perturbed. He asks either he said he asked Molina. If, uh, if it was intentional, he's like, nah, just got away from him. He's like, okay, fine. Runs around the bases, scores on a play at the plate, which right then and there, take away everything that happened previously to that. That's reason enough that you should be able to celebrate like that. I mean, right. I don't, I don't know the situation of the game, and it is the second game of the season. It's not like it's game seven of the you know division series or something like that. But like you can celebrate scoring a run on a play at a plate, at play at the plate. Not in baseball, though. It's just these, like, macho man. And nobody got a punch in. Uh, nobody got hurt. Nobody got suspended. I think Castellanos got ejected. That was it. So, And, and even then, that's it's just extreme. Like, th- this is a sport that you need personalities. You need the players who are going to have the bad flips, have the get all up in your face, have, have the expressions. Cause this sport is, you, you don't want nine goose gossages playing on the field where every, everything's gotta be uh, you gotta have your hat on just right. And your belt fastened so, so tightly, like the, it, it becomes a boring sport. And, and when you can have guys like Fernando Tatis or Castellanos doing something like this, like that's what makes me want to watch. I don't want to go out there and, and see uh 10 Michael Chavises just just going up and doing their job and going home for the day. I was I was reminded I don't even remember why but reminded the other day of like great 3-4 combinations in Red Sox history and obviously the greatest 3-4 combination was Ortiz and Manny like mm-hmm. those were big personality guys like neither one of them was disrespectful but Right. They definitely had some some entertainment value to their success on the mm-hmm. field. It like, and they got away with it because, yeah, they were likable guys. Like, if you're gonna be a dick, like if you're gonna be, I don't even know if we can throw Trevor Bauer into this. Who, by the way, had a stellar debut. You can tell I've been watching a lot of baseball. The fact <laughs> that I can tell you about Trevor Bauer's debut, but um, but he uh. He can be a little temperamental, I would say. Like, check right. throwing the ball into the center field. <laughs> that was one of the most outrageous moments in, in sports history. <laughs> like Terry Francona's reaction to it. He's like, 
like, just like what the fuck hands is up that? in the air like we'll, we'll grow up but you can have an electric personality and do things like that as long as you're a good guy right so castellanos after the game he's like dude i yadier molina could punch me in the face i'd still ask him to sign my jersey mm-hmm. like i'm gonna guess that castellanos isn't a disliked person in the major leagues maybe he will be now maybe I, listen i think that like like you baseball needs some juice not like literally but also, figuratively mm-hmm. juice but yeah well that, okay so here's another question that i had i was thinking about the other day nerds are you for steroids or against steroids? Because if the only true outcome is a strikeout walk or a home run, what is going to yield you more strikeouts, walks, and home runs than steroids? Mm-hmm. Which if that's the case, maybe we can find a little bit of common ground because, you know, the enemy of the enemy is my friend. <laughs> and I don't think that... Uh, there would be a lot of disagreement from people in, in trying to get juice back into the game. But to, to speak about like excitement into the game, get more excitement into the game. Um, what would you say about having a team that's just universally disliked like the Astros? I think, I mean, to have fans there to, to boo, to boo them, and having a, I mean, this is what the Yankees were for so long, except for the fact they haven't won anything in forever now. So, like, no one really cares. But they were a team that was so disliked that everybody had a common ground of hating them. And the Astros are, I don't know if they're getting it to the full extent as they would have last year, but having that makes baseball that much more fun. Having that makes sports that much more fun. Having the, we can't wait to watch the Warriors lose because they're a super team. We can't wait to watch the, the Patriots lose because they're one of the best teams in the history of the uh, of the sport. Like all these these common enemies it makes it fun. And, and the Astros, even if they did cheat, uh, are one of the better stories. So how's this for a hot take? Ready? I saw uh, someone make the statement that if you are – rooting against the Astros or if you think the Astros are the bad guys then you're rooting for the Yankees hmm just like just in the sense that they were cheated out of those those games is that is that what well I think it's because like Yankees fans are bitching the most out of anybody so they're the ones that have labeled the Astros as the vic as the the villains mm-hmm. and if you're kind of like oh yeah the Astros are these massive scumbags you're kind of like siding with the Yankees and you're whining and complaining about the Yankees because everybody else is just like oh whatever right yeah I I I guess I understand that um I still think like like the Dodgers still ended up probably making out worse because I don't think the Yankees beat the Dodgers that year right um so so But but Yankees fans are entitled to see this is why Mets fans and I should get along is because we both hate <laughs> Yankees fans, but Yankees, Yankees fans are entitled into thinking that because they would have defeated the Astros in the championship series, they would have gone on to also beat the Dodgers in the world series. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a big thing in, uh, in Patriots fandom of, uh, Oh, we would have beaten the Colts in 2006 and, we would have stopped the bears in that Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, that's a, a big, big focus. <laughs> big, big focus. Uh, yeah, here I am. I'm pulling this up. Hating the Astros means you're on the same side as Yankees fans. I don't, I don't know if that's such a bad thing in this case, though, because I think baseball needs that common enemy, that that universally hated team. And right. we're fi- we sh- we are gonna get that this year. Like, was there a fight last year? Would the Astros get into a fight with anybody? I don't think so. I think every, for the most part, everybody was kind of on COVID edge. So there wasn't like a whole lot of brouhaha's going around. Yeah. I think there was, there was one type of scuttlebutt um, at some point, like I think at the beginning of the spring or at the resumption of spring, like Carlos Correa got hit with a pitch and then Jose Altuve got hit with a pitch and it was all like consecutively. Mm-hmm. Um 
Yeah. Well, I mean, the Astros had a good team last year. Yeah. Like, they were good well, once again. It looks like uh, I just like looked up. I literally just typed in Astros fight 2020. <laughs> uh, and uh, they fought the Dodgers and the A's at different points last year. Oh, and the A's are the team that uh, Mike Fires is on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remembered there being something about that. All right. So the Yankees are definitely going to get some retribution this year, I think. Uh, who else is going to have fighting a- from the Yankees, though? Like who? Uh, well, when they got into that <laughs> fight with uh, with the Red Sox, who was that? Austin Taylor. Uh, yeah, he's some, probably some. he's not on the team anymore. I don't. Yeah. I don't think he's on the team. I definitely don't think he's on the team. I don't think he's in the majors anymore. I think he's a AAA baseball player. So, Joe Kelly fight. Joe Kelly Fight Club win that one. Uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I don't know. That's a good question. Who would fight on the Yankees? I wouldn't want to fight Judge or Stanton. Uh, I don't think they would fight though. I, that's the thing. I, I like. I mean, your option is obviously Araldis Chapman. <laughs> If he was yeah, there, that's, but... that's. I mean, he's probably looking for the weakest, most feminine person anyway, so oh, he can no. pick on them. <laughs> you go fight the team trainer. Oh no! Like there, there's nobody else. That's that's the thing. Like your big guys aren't fighting. Like, and that, and that's always been the case for most of these teams is that stars aren't fighting. Right. Um. You never want a pitcher fighting, no matter who they are. Right. Yeah, I don't. It's I guess it's like now the fighters in baseball. It's like Brock Holt. It's your utility men that are yeah. just kind of like scrapping each other, and that's why we don't get actual fights. Like, do you remember the uh, Ortiz Kevin Gregg fight between the Red Sox and the Orioles when Ortiz uh, was backed off the plate and he was arguing with the pitcher, mm. and then uh, he popped the ball up and he just kind of like stood there and, and Greg was like screaming at him to run to first. And then he yeah. Him and he... I, I do remember that. Like they, they, they just don't have that anymore. Baseball needs enforcers. I think that's what we're coming down to. Like we need, uh, we, we need Sean Thornton to sign a 10 day contract with the Red Sox. And I love that idea. Lay down. I love that idea. That's the that's the problem with baseball. It's ev- they want every single t- player to be the exact same player. They don't mm-hmm. want guys who hit for average, and then guys who hit for power, and then guys who run the base as well, and guys who field well. And it's like everybody's got to be the player that's slightly above average at everything. Right. What's the jack of all trades, master of none? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Baseball needs some enforcers. Like you're you're in the eighth inning, you're down a run. You need some you need some juice. Uh, pinch hitter Yasiel Puig comes up. He hasn't played baseball in a full year, and he's just looking to hit somebody. <laughs> like that's what I want. That oh, you know what I'm thinking about now is that that all time great brawl between the Rays and the Red Sox when Pedro tagged the guy first batter of the uh, first batter of the game. He yep. tags him, and uh, was it Mo Vaughn or Brian Daubach? That came to Pedro's defense. Like, that's a great example of somebody who's like 160 pounds soaking wet. Like, I think he's 5'10, 160 or something Mm -hmm. crazy like that, throwing like 95 at guys' heads. (laughs) And as soon as that, like, they'll come and attack him. Meanwhile, he's got big 265, you know, edge rusher Mo Vaughn coming (laughs) on on his weak side. Oh, that's, that's the type of shit baseball needs. Unfortunately, we're not getting it because, because you gotta, you can't have people flexing in your face, especially guys who, I mean, Castellanos, <laughs> his legacy is going to be the call, is Absolutely. going to be, is going to be, because that's, I mean, that's all I think about whenever I hear, like, and he's a good player too. That's the thing that sucks. Yeah. I consider myself a man of faith. <laughs> As a deep drive in the left field by Castellanos, <laughs> that'll be a four nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm ever gonna put this headset on again. <laughs> Oh, you just reminded me of that too. Like I wasn't, it didn't even <laughs> dawn on me when you, like when you first said his legacy will always be the, the call. I'm like, what, like what call the call, the call. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever going to put this headset back on. Like I want to apologize to my bosses at, at Fox and all the people he, I work he's with. He's working and, now. He's like, he? he's, he's in like the Mexican baseball league or something. Okay. okay. <laughs> what 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 do we what's his name? Do you remember what the name is? Oh, it's something something dumb. Castellanos home. Deep drive into left by call. 
uh red's announcer apologizes for offensive slur yeah tom brenneman that's tom what it was brenneman with oh, an that, H. that name does sound familiar tom brenneman oh tom brenneman radio personality tom brenneman american sportscaster tom brenneman american sportscaster this is this is great content by the way just we're just gonna read wikipedia pages that's what we should do next mike our next podcast should be just we'll read <laughs> we'll randomize a wikipedia article and we'll just go through it and read it Let's do Mike Francesa where we just read scores. Yeah. On October 3rd, 2006, Cincinnati Reds owner Robert Castini hired blah, 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 blah. Tom no longer broadcasts for the Cincinnati Reds and Marty retired near the end of the 2019 season. Uh, suspension for on-air comments return in December, 2020, it was announced that Brenneman would serve as play-by-play announcer for the Roberto Clemente league in Puerto Rico. So he went from Cincinnati to Puerto Rico. Might be an upgrade depending on where in Puerto Rico he is, I guess. That's true. I mean, I don't know much about Cincinnati. I also don't know much about Puerto Rico. (laughs) I know people go to vacation in Puerto Rico and they don't really go to vacation in Cincinnati. So no. if that's going to be our litmus test, then I'd say maybe it was an upgrade. <laughs> oh, what do you think we're going to get from the Red Sox this year now? I had been in, like, I, I thought they were a potential, like fighting for the wild card team at the end of the, the season. And the way that I look at the AL East is I do think the Yankees are better than them. And I think the blue Jays are better than them. And I think they're right there with the Rays. Like, I, I think, I think they're in that three, four spot in the AL East. And now, now they're, I mean, they set themselves back because now you, now you're playing the Rays for three games and you honestly still don't under, you, you don't know what you're going to get from your pitching because Eduardo's uh, Erod's still out. Uh, Sale's still out. And now you're you're kind of you're kind of up in the air, and then you go back for three more games with Baltimore, who just kick your ass. So, yeah. it's it's. I do think they're going to be, they're they're not going to be a terrible team, but I don't think they're going to be competing for the division. Yeah, I. It's tough. I think at the beginning of the season they put the the over under at like eighty and a half wins, mm-hmm. which literally means do are you going to be above or below five hundred? Right. I don't. I was optimistic coming into the year. I thought that their offense had a lot of potential. And I think, you know, there's plenty of time for them to put things together. Mm-hmm. I'm optimistic again about J.D. Martinez, his his start. It seems as though the, uh, the 2020 season was an albatross. Like, he clearly went through a dip because he just didn't give a shit about it. it had nothing to do with his abilities diminishing. So right. that's a good sign. Um I thought Tanner Houck actually pitched pretty well on mm-hmm. Saturday uh, for for his his uh, his first start first 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 start in the majors. Uh, no, he he had like three or four at the end, at of, the last end of last year. year. Yeah, um, but <laughs> as far as young arms that you have that have come up through your system, that's that's it. That's what you have, and then and they haven't had much of that in the past twenty five years. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you have John Lester, and that's it. Who was the kid that they had drafted in like 2015? The Henry one. Owens? No. The um was it the kid that like now for some reason I'm drawing a blank, but I'm remembering Clay Buckholtz stole computers when he was in high school. <laughs> I'm dead serious. That's just how my brain works sometimes. What, the how, what's problem? the correlation? Because the kid they drafted was a problem kid. Groom. Oh, Jay, Jay Groom, yeah. I yeah. think that was later than that, but yeah. Is it later than that? 2015 yeah, wasn't that long ago, was it? I mean, six years? How long is six years in baseball? I mean, he should pretty much be ready to go at this point. I think. Because if he was drafted at 18, 19, then he's probably yeah, I, in his mid-20s. I guess he would be. I'm, I'm looking it up. Let's go back to let's go back to Wikipedia segment 2016. Yeah. So actually, yeah, yeah, right around there. Damn, that was just... he was the 2016 and Tanner Houck was 2017. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> just like Don Sweeney, draft picks finally paying dividends, huh? 
in in some way. The other the other part, really the main part about the Red Sox that we knew was going to be a problem was the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yesterday it wasn't even an example of them needing their bullpen because Richard is so bad, despite Whitlock looking good. Relying on Matt Barnes as your closer, again, assuming we get to a point in the season where you actually need one, right? can't do that long-term. I think they're going to have to upgrade uh, not just him in the back end, but they're long guys, they're short guys. Bullpen's going to have to get better. And the the underreaction, overreaction, I would say after three games, let's just wait for one more go around through the rotation before we start to panic. How about that? Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, before we start canceling things, we can let them at least pitch one more time. If but after to... that, yeah, it's hellfire. <laughs> Have you been watching any college basketball? Honestly, I, I caught the last five minutes of the uh, the. Was it Gonzaga and you? Not Gonzaga, you saw. Oh, so the last five minutes of the blowout between yes and and Baylor. That was the only five minutes I saw <laughs> this past weekend. You you probably could not have picked five worse minutes of basketball to watch because the entire and I didn't watch the whole thing, but the entire UCLA Gonzaga game was unbelievable, start to finish, and the uh, the ending was. Did you see the ending at least? Yeah, I've, I've seen every highlight since then. Dude, yeah. How fucking sick would that be to like send your team to a national championship? And we're robbed of their local soil stadium. I it's think so. 70,000 people mm-hmm. screaming their fucking heads off. We were robbed of that. It would it would have been so cool. And for a, for a region that doesn't care about college sports, like that's those are the moments that we, we, we would actually be looking forward to. Like those, those big moments on the biggest stages, you have a guy who's been one of the better college basketball players in, in, in all of the NCAA this year. Um, and specifically after that shot to tie the, the follow-up layup to tie the game right before, like, what a what a situation and not having you're right not having the pack stadium it, it it sucks takes away from it totally takes away from it i feel like that's an all-time shot every highlight reel for the next 25 30 years right and and just having uh, also the fallout from that of having uh Jalen Suggs's high school football highlights go viral I don't know if you got to see any of those, but I didn't he see is them. disgusting. I heard he was quite the football player. Could you tell me? Did you see any of them? Could you tell me I, about him? He, I mean, he I, the first clip of Lamar Jackson that went viral. Oh, um, yes, yes, yes. Remember the one where stopped. he stopped? Yeah. It was very similar to watching that play and being like, oh, we find out like six years later. Like, I, I'm pretty sure we found that out like two years ago that that was Lamar Jackson in that mm-hmm. clip. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow Jalen Suggs decides I'm not playing in the NBA. I'm actually going to go be the starting quarterback for the De- the Detroit Lions, and like he's just nasty like that. And that's in the future. It yeah. was it was it was amazing, and it was so funny. Like you saw, got to see some of the coaches. Um, I don't, I don't remember which school it was, but one coach said uh, on Twitter, "I feel like I owe Jalen Suggs an apology for trying to recruit him to play football." <laughs> Why? You could arguably, well, probably not make more money as a football player than a basketball player. Like, I think if you're top-notch basketball, you're obviously going to make more than top-notch football, even if you're Mm going to count endorsements. Like, you're going to make way more in endorsements as a basketball player than a football player. Right. And you know what? That's probably what they should start using as a bargaining chip then for the Players Association is like, we're going to lose athletes to the NBA if we don't start guaranteeing contracts. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I, I I was listening to a podcast this past week, um, and uh, the host of it, they were talking about the differences in contracts. He's not a hockey guy, so he was like, I want to look at like the highest paid hockey contracts of all time Dude, and compare them. And yeah. it's like, 
the one that he had looked at was it was a player that I had never heard of, um, mostly because I'm not a huge historian of hockey, like prior to 2005. Yeah. But uh, there was one contract that was like 19 million dollars a year somehow, because that's not like that's not real now. Like they don't no, that doesn't happen. That's not even like that. Yeah, that doesn't make it because the NHL didn't get a salary cap until the lockout for the season lockout season in like that 2005 2006 so you could have i guess in theory paid anybody as much as you wanted but so here i, I just pulled it up joe sack sackage oh Sakic. no Sakic. oh no mike. 1990 mike I, oh no don't don't do something to me right now mike look up this guy's career when we're done recording this is he's gonna be a, a, an all-time player I, i'm gonna have yeah. i'm gonna have no idea who he is he would. He's probably the equivalent of like, uh, hmm, Troy Aikman. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's just just me not knowing anything about hockey prior to two thousand five. Yeah, <laughs> I would actually um, say he's he's very very strong equivalent to Troy Aikman. Actually, maybe maybe yeah. From for if we're talking quarterbacks, not all time players. If we're just talking like quarterbacks, maybe by next. Maybe by next episode, I'll I'll watch every highlight of Joe Sakic forever. Um, Sakic, Sakic, and it would take you a while. Who doesn't know? Uh, in the 1997-1998 season, Joe Sakic made 16.45 million dollars. Wow, um, which would put him like 50th in the NBA this year. <laughs> and that's the all-time highest for an average annual value in an NHL history. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, what was it that uh, Carl Crawford was making? Was he making twenty million? Carl Crawford was making a lot. I, I he did he had a hundred. It was a hundred million dollar contract. I think it was think five I, for a hundred. Think it was. Yeah, he was he was right on the the edge because I remember them saying when they wanted to re-sign, um, was it wasn't Ellsbury. Yeah, no, it was when they wanted to re-sign Ellsbury that they didn't want to pay him the Carl Crawford contract because they didn't want to get to that $20 million number. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Seven for 142. Was I'll tell you what, game. if I had to pay Joe Sackick, and you said it was the 97-98 season? Correct. So the year prior, two years prior, they had just won the Cup. Mm-hmm. And then you go 97, 98, and then they win the cup again in the year 2001. That was the year Ray Bork won. So right. the guy that hands Ray Bork the Stanley Cup, that's Joe Sackick. Super familiar with him. I'm, I'm his biggest fan. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> this is insane. This is, well, it's not insane. It's to be expected. And I was realizing this the other day, too. So since I've started watching more, like, I don't even know if you can say sports, like regionally, but I've found out that uh, there's a lot of hockey commercials out there, like in Canada. Mm-hmm. Hockey players just have zero personality, <laughs> zero personality. No shit. You don't make any money. Nobody wants to fucking watch you. I mean, if I don't know Joe, Joe, I still, I'm not going to, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's still not happening. Sackick. Like this guy's, uh, is he in the hall of fame? Yes. All right. <laughs> and it wasn't that long ago. And I've never, not once in my entire life have heard this guy's name. That's why I said he is Troy Aikman. He's like the captain of the team that won a lot during the nineties and put up really good numbers it's not like Wayne Gretzky type numbers. Nobody had put up Gretzky numbers, but even like, uh, like, you know, who Jeremy Roenick is, Mm -hmm. you know, who Tony Amante is. I know Uh, the name, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm like saying you probably because they're like Boston guys, but. And I think I know Jeremy Roenick for like his post career more than I know him for anything else. That's true. That's very true. Uh, you're going to have no clue who Chris Chelios is. Do you know who Steve Eiserman is? Nope. Fuck. Uh, I'm big on uh, Eric Lindros, uh, 1999. That's a good one. That's a good one. NHL 99 on the N64. I use the flyers every time, and 
He's the best player of all time. I'll say it. NHL 99, heavily underrated game. People talk about NHL 94 like it's the greatest sports video game of all time. I had NHL 99 on, ready for this, the PC. Oh, no. And I don't think I got it until like 2002. I it didn't like, even know they made the games like that for the PC. It was like, well, it was one of those, you had the CD-ROM, and then you had to mm-hmm. install it, and then anytime you wanted to play it, you had to put it in and then click yeah. it and all that. So, uh, like I said, I think I don't think I even got it until like 2002 because it was one of those games that like whenever I would go to Staples with my parents because my sister needed like magic markers for some art project she was probably working on, <laughs> uh, there would be like these computer games that were all like educational and stuff. And then occasionally Mm -hmm. they'd have a sports game and the one sports game that they had was like three years old. And I like, Oh, can I get it? And they're like, sure. Whatever. I, I played the fucking shit out of that game. The game was so fun. I don't know how it was on the computer, but it was real fun on (laughs) N64. Hands down. Inarguable. Greatest introduction to a sports game of all time. Yeah. it, It was awesome. Did you ever get to the part where I don't know if they did this on the consoles or not, but there was like a uh, a part where you could like look at all the developers and on the computer when you scrolled over them, they would like stand up and like no, I don't think like I saw down, that. They were sitting down like this, and then when you scroll over them, they'd like stand up and they like had like a special message or something like that. <sighs> Now I sound like a crazy person because I'm describing <laughs> something that nobody can picture unless they know what I'm talking about. I mean, the age of old PC games is a it was a different time. Like I just remember sitting back and playing like Backyard Baseball 2002. Yep. And like, like just just out, outlandish games. That... Were you were you ever a uh, like a Sims guy? Were you a tycoon guy? Oh, big, big roller coaster and zoo tycoon. I have Sims now for the Xbox. That was like the first time I've like almost ever played it. Uh, but roller to- roller coaster tycoon, I, I mean, this is this is pre crime stuff. But <laughs> I used to like set up Uh-oh. set up roller coasters that would like go like super high up in the air, and then I wouldn't finish them, and I would just send people on the ride, so they just go flying. Like <laughs> that game was so funny. And you didn't provide health insurance to your workers, so you were just like <laughs> rolling in the dough. That's how I. Uh, that's how I started my my tycoon, and uh, I bought the Mets. Oh, <laughs> it all comes full circle. Oh man, uh, have you been watching the Bruins at all? I have been watching. Checking in. I haven't been like consistently watching. All right. Well, not much has changed. You're not missing much. They're still not scoring consistently. Uh, and I was actually driving, driving to my, my local Dunkin's to get an iced coffee. This would actually be <laughs> another great place to put a sponsored ad. Right. We'll T-Mobile. get on the phone with Dunkin' right now. T-Mobile and Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> would have seamlessly fit in. They, Absolutely seamless. They heard our our fan our fanship and our numbers are are growing, and they want that interaction. Not sure how successful T-Mobile and Dunkin' Donuts are in Canada, though. <laughs> we bet out. We said Tim Hortons the whole time. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to the radio, and there was a report slash. What would you call? a comment from a coach that was talked about by an analyst uh if the comment was given in private i'd say it was a report if the comment was given to the press like an uh an analysis of it or something okay I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah yeah so we we had an analysis of a comment made by bruce cassidy about to mm-hmm. That uh, the the injury he suffered, the treatment that he's going through. What is happening to my voice? <laughs> Something's happening to me. I Man, it's turning into a werewolf live on live on camera. No, I'm back. The um, hold on, talk for like two seconds. Joe Sackick, man, he he's an incredible. Uh, if if you haven't seen his highlight tape, right, I I'm would back. recommend it. Okay. All right, I'm good. Um, 
Bruce Cassidy had some comments about Tuka Rask saying that uh, the treatment he's going through isn't really responding the way they had hoped. So we may be looking at a goaltending situation in Boston over the next several weeks. That's not going to get much better than Dan Vladar or Yaroslav Halak unless they wanted to invest in the trade market. Trade deadline is coming up in one week, one week from mm-hmm. today. I don't want them to invest in a goaltender. And if you're going to be without your starter for a month and then rely on him to come back in the playoffs and you're fighting for a playoff spot as is sell. This is the time to sell. Understand that, you know, Jeremy Jacobs loves his playoff gates and loves making his playoff dollars. Guess what, Jeremy, you're probably going to lose more money than you'll make in the pandemic. Sell. Cut the season short. Well, not don't cut the season short, but like cut the season as a loss. Mm-hmm retool in the off season, come back in the fall and give us a product that we can be proud of. That's, that's going to be a tough take. I don't, I don't know if a lot of people are going to see, see it the same way you are. Uh, just, just strictly because of, I mean, you're at the point where this team should be a contender and the, obviously the best part of, of the way that they've been playing this year anyway. I think they're third in goals goals uh goals against and also like fourth in fewest goals scored. <laughs> so so right. it hasn't hasn't looked good. Right. Um but the core is you do have some some good young players. But again, it's year after year the core is getting older. You're you're losing another year of Bergeron, another year of Krejci. Who knows what Tuka's contract situation is going to look like after the season. So you you if they can stay afloat, and I, maybe this is a decision they make right at the deadline, and maybe that that would be closer to what you're talking about. Um, if if we get another week and Halak and Vladar aren't aren't cutting it, the the perfection line still not scoring. You're still getting absolutely nothing out of Jake DeBrusque. Like that that's the time and. I could see it from that, but it's going to be a tough sell to a lot of fans here. Well, 100%. It's going to be a tough sell. I don't think anybody wants to give up on the season. And I think that they're good enough to make noise in the playoffs if they make it. And they should make it. They're, I think, like 11 points or 10 points out of first place in the division. But they've got like five games in hand against Mm -hmm. uh, the Sabres. Right. Uh, Five games in hand against the Sabres. They have five games in hand and they have seven games left to play or six games left to play against the Sabres. So you should be able to collect at least 10 points. You should collect all of them, but those are points that you have to bank on and guarantee on. And I mean, if you think you can get them from Yaroslav Halak and Daniel Vidar, and I, I really, I genuinely hope they don't bring up Swayman, the, the goalie they've got down in Marlboro because <laughs> it's not really Providence. Right. The uh, investing in a veteran who's just going to be another backup. I wouldn't do it. I just, I wouldn't do it. I, my question about the longevity of this team is because we've seen from other championship teams in this city, what you have to do when one core gets old is replace it with another. And the only mm-hmm. really franchise that's successfully been able to do that consistently has been the Patriots, you know, right. outside the quarterback because they never had to replace that. But even the Red Sox, you could say, did a pretty decent job of going from, you know, a number one to a one A or, a, you know, a number two starter that could lead you in the postseason and then middle of the order bats that produced in the clutch. Like they were able to replicate that. Right. Who knows if they're going to be able to do that or if they want to do that going forward. But it's been the Bruins and the Celtics that have not been able to replace the their cores. And they relied heavily on one core for a long period of time. You're not going to replace Patrice Bergeron. You're not going to replace Zidane Ochara. You're not going to replace David Krejci. You're not going to replace all those guys. Keep in mind, by the way, they only won one championship. Right. So the guys that you're not going to be able to replace only won once. Mm-hmm. Collect as many assets as you can. Just do it. Do it. So who who's on your untouchable list then right now? Uh, Bergeron for sure, because I think that he's not only he's the type of guy. I don't even want to say guy. 
I will talk about his play and only his play because you can keep a guy because you like him, and that could be the only reason why. But he's the type of player that can play on any of the four lines and in any situation, no matter how old he is. And I don't think that he's going to really command a lot of money later on in his career. I think you're going to get a better, more effective version of uh, Zidane Ochara mm-hmm. from, from Patrice Bergeron going forward. Marshan, I would hold on to. Uh, just because I don't think you're really going to be able to get max value for him. Pasternak, right. I'd hold on to. McAvoy, I'd hold on to. Uh, I like some of the younger players, but if you got to trade a couple of ponies to get a horse and trick, if you can trick somebody into trading you Tyler Sagan for Louis Erickson, Joe Morrow, and Riley Smith, I think they got somebody else in that deal as well. Peter Shirelli's not working in the league anymore, is he? I don't think so. <laughs> Too bad. Uh, <laughs> it's really, it's like those four guys, though. It's yeah. Bergeron, McAvoy, uh, Marshan, and Pasternak. Everybody else, see ya. Like, right. You got like a lot of young players who could be something in the future. You got a couple players who have popped and haven't been able to stick around and, and really give you that consistent effort. This is just what this team is. And we've seen it the last few years where – they're a really good, not great team, and and they can get they can be there by the time the playoffs come. Like they can they can be in contention, but are they really ever going to put you over the top? And and that's that's kind of what we've been looking at since, I mean, twenty thirteen really. Right. <laughs> right. It's been it's been it's been that same group and doing the same things, and you've had some some people some pieces come in, and. You acquire a guy like uh, like Charlie Coyle, and he he's a, a piece that you need to to get some extra scoring, uh, some depth scoring, and then the next year he's he's nothing. Uh, he's just not giving you what you expected. Um, so yeah, I I think you are on the right track, and maybe just a little bit ahead of uh, where the rest of the the fan base is thinking, but. I think that would honestly be a, a smarter move for them because I, I don't think they're going to do it this year. Because like in reality, if, if we were going to be making decisions based off of what a fan base wants or doesn't want, it's like, oh, we don't want to trade Patrice uh, David Krejci because we're afraid of how the fans would react or anything. Like People have been wanting to ship out David Krejci every single year for the past, feels like five years. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to be pissing anybody off if you move on from some of these older guys. Right. I mean, you're not going to get a lot for him, but again, if you can trick somebody into giving you a first round pick for a rental, right. you can, you know, end up with, there's not really a lot of moving around in the draft, but you get two first round picks in the NHL. You could very well move into the top 10 and get yourself an elite scorer. If there's one available, which there probably isn't. And between that and the fact that there were reports last week that they were afraid to move on from Jake DeBrus because they think he's going to catch fire with somebody else and it's going to come back and bite them in the ass. Yeah. Jake DeBrus is a very streaky player. So right. if the reason they're afraid of getting rid of him is because he's going to catch fire somewhere else, that's kind of like the whole point why you're trying to get rid of him is because right. he's there very streaky. There. Right. Yikes. Well, Evan Fournier hit a couple of couple of <laughs> shots. Finally, he's actually been pretty good. I watched some of the Celtics over the weekend as well. I think uh, at one point in the game yesterday, they had he had made eight straight threes between the two games, which is, I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. That's Marcus Smart impressive. numbers. <laughs> it's elite <laughs> Marcus Smart numbers. <laughs> and you know the the good thing, and I've been out on the Celtics for forever. As, as many people who have listened to this this show know, the good thing to me is that Robert Williams is finally getting the credit that, and the playtime that he deserves. He I think, him. I think he is. He's never gonna be. He's never gonna be an elite starting center, but I think he can be a can solid. He be, can ahead. he? Can he be Al Jefferson? I still think Al Jefferson's probably a little high. But I, I I do think he can be a legitimate center in the NBA, like a legitimate starting center, or like he's he's your best bench player. Like because if 
if he can be Al Jefferson, use him as Al Jefferson. Use him as the piece. Build up his reputation. Give him some minutes. Mm -hmm. Let him showcase his talents and his abilities. And let somebody else fall in love with him. Get your top five, top three pick. I, I, I just don't know if that's what they're going to get for, for a guy like that. I think they're, well, you'd I, have I think to, you'd have to give up more as well. Like you'd have to give up your first as well. You'd right. Give up your first, you'd give up Robert Williams. You basically say, you know, if you need to make money match in some way, you take somebody else on or, right. you know, again, I didn't even think that Al Jefferson was a great player. So for you to say Al Jefferson might be a little high, then my aspirations may be a little high, but <laughs> Yeah, he's been good. He's been very good. He's been fun to watch. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is he's, he's at least a piece that, I mean, I can tell he he cares, and I can tell he has um, his athleticism is off the charts. It's crazy. Last night there was uh there was a one wasn't really a pick and roll. It was more like a stop and go where Robert Williams turned around at the top of the key, ran directly to the basket. Marcus Meyer hits him with a perfect alley-oop, and it's like they just haven't had that type of athleticism at center in a long time. And if they can I, – I, that's been my biggest take since they traded Kendrick Perkins is that they won't won't win until they get a center. Uh, if they can – if he can be that piece and they can continue to give him minutes, and I know he has this whole hip thing that's been holding them back as far as Brad Stevens has been saying um, – if he if he can go and produce in that role, I think you've got yourself a a nice little pick late in the first round. Yeah. Whoop de doo. <laughs> no, but you know what? You're right. In all seriousness, because that's what the Celtics need. They need to stop relying on just high picks to be quality basketball players. Right. Because Lord knows you've had a million of them over the last you know ten years. They got to start paying off at some point. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if Robert Williams as a, as a pick in the 20s can turn into a very solid starting center and at the worst, he's a bench piece that can give you some good minutes defensively, some honest minutes defensively at the very least, and then some upside on the offensive end. Yeah, ride with it. Roll with it. Cool. You you yeah. didn't need more around him, though. Right, and, that, and that's the thing. is If you look at the landscape of the NBA right now, your top teams still are still your super teams. Like you are still not in competition with the Nets. You're not in competition with the Lakers when they get healthy. You're not in competition with even the Bucks in my mind right now, the Bucks or Philly or it's, they are so far away that that's a team that I would have been like, okay, you are now at the point where you have maxed out your potential for, these two superstars. So you have to either get a third one or you have to move on because mm-hmm. you are not, you are not jumping any of these other teams the way that this roster is currently built. So you need to make a decision. You're at a crossroads and they decided to, to keep it around and bring in a couple more role players. And Evan Fournier is a, is a nice piece. I like him. I liked watching him in, in Orlando for like eight or nine years. He was there. But is is Evan Fournier and Luke Cornette, are those going to be the pieces that put you over the top? Is moving on from Daniel Tyson getting Mo Wagner the piece that's going to really, really let you compete with the Blake Griffin, the Kevin Durant, the Kyrie Irving, James Harden? They have a thousand players on that team. You forgot now my, Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond. Now Miami. You forgot Miami DeAndre is still Jordan. You forgot Steve Nash. I'm sure he could probably still ball <laughs> if he wanted to. Steve Nash might be the best point guard in the Celtics if he tried right now. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> Yikes. You know well, what? We though? ended that show positive. Yeah, we end every show positive. <laughs> I'm positive that this was episode 38. Oh, that looked, is good. Yeah, because I just looked it up because I didn't want to fumble over my words. Like, oh, what episode are we at? Uh, but no, I think that that's probably... I think we're good. That's probably going to wrap it up for episode 38 of Moving the Goalposts. Uh, real quick, though, before we before we finish up, uh, do you have anything 
to add on. I know we kind of are big on like what we're looking forward to or whatnot, but uh, like I got, I got something, but I'll let you go first. You got something. I feel like we might have a similar something maybe, Mm. Um, or or maybe not, maybe not. If you're, if you're a little doubt, if you're a little doubtful, I just really liked this last week's episode um, of Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I'm really excited to watch the next week's and, I've been following along. There's like this podcast that they talk about the episodes. I've been following along with that. And it really gives you more information like to know spoilers, to know that power breaker was power broker was a thing before that it actually happened in the episode. I was like, wow, thank God for that podcast. What podcast? It's uh, the complete collection. Uh, You you haven't heard of the complete, complete collection. Mike, I got a surprise for you. The same people that listen to this podcast or that the same people that like don't listen to this podcast. Don't listen to that podcast. Oh, guess what? Those those people are our fans in Canada who we we love. Oh, so dearly. Um, I'm sure that they would love to tune into. The there are there are linchpin uh, similar, not the exact same. I watched the trailer to Loki this morning. Oh, and I think I'm finally buying into this idea of like, okay, Marvel has taken a year to do absolutely nothing to blow everybody's mind at every single moment they possibly can. Are, I th- are we getting that like Shang-Chi Kung Fu movie this year or something like that? Or we're getting like the eternal, like we're getting some weird shit that nobody mm-hmm. knows. Maybe people know about, but I don't know about like, and it's all going to be good because right. I didn't know what Loki was going to be and I didn't give a shit and I didn't, I really didn't care. And I didn't want to see trailers or posters or teasers or anything. I stumbled upon that trailer this morning. It's been three and a half hours. It still hasn't gone down. I'm going to have to call a doctor and <laughs> call a doctor, please. Yep. All righty. Well, Everyone, we want to make sure that you can stay in touch and follow along throughout the week. Uh, best way to do that is to uh, check us out on social media. So you could follow me at Twitter or on Twitter and Instagram at NickMara94. Mike, once again, where can the, the fine listeners reach you? On Twitter at Mike underscore Masala or on Instagram at Mike Masala NFL. Be sure to follow along on the social media profiles for the podcast. They can be found on Twitter and Instagram at moving the posts. Mike, till next time. Later, brother. Peace. I'm going to tell you a story.